Hi everyone, welcome to the Restoring Rapport podcast. My name is Seth Hensley and this is a show dedicated to young believers pursuing the goal of healthy marriage and family. You know, we live in a world where getting married and starting a family is far too often postponed for longer than God designed and pushed to the back burner in favor of less important things. But the good news is that it doesn't have to stay this way. As young believers, we have the choice to prioritize what matters most in our lives every day and to live face to face with God and others. Every Thursday and Sunday on this show, I'll be sharing research, conducting interviews, and reviewing articles on the importance of marriage and family for society. I'll also be releasing exclusive content such as spoken word poetry, allegorical short stories, and bonus episodes for subscribers. Friends, God did not set us up to live life alone. The truth of the matter is that every minute of your adult life that you wait to marry is a minute of your life that you're not spending with your life partner. While some might be content to live with the consequences of this arrangement, I would argue that those who wish to spend as much of their life as possible with their mate are perfectly within reason and soundness of value to do so. It is my deepest hope that this podcast inspires Generation Z to pursue marriage, become the best spouses and parents the world has ever seen, serve with furious intentionality, love well, and discover the joy of hanging the moon for another. To access my sources, subscribe to the show, or get your copy of my latest book, visit anchor.fm slash seth-hensley or check out the show notes of each episode. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 71 of the Restoring Report podcast. Super excited for the content we've got planned out for you guys today. As always, this is a show about prioritizing marriage and family as goals for young believers and keeping relationships central in a world of many distractions. And today I've got an article for you guys that is really sobering, but that I'm really excited to read. But first, before I get into it, I would like to apologize for my voice. (laughs) I have recently resumed uh, as a substitute teacher for the public education system, and I am sure I no doubt contracted some sort of cold for um, from being around so many germs in one week that it is completely unthinkable. So that's probably why I'm sounding like this, not feeling completely great today. But the good thing about podcasting is you get to work from home, and if you're feeling up to recording, uh, there's no danger in being around people and spreading sickness. So this is a time for uh, that I can use to get a little bit of work done, but let's go ahead and jump into this article today. It's entitled, Why is the Fictional Depiction of Child Porn Legal in the U.S.? And this is going to have some facts in it that are going to shock you guys to a degree that you might not be ready for, um, not in the sense of disturbing. Exodus Cry, the company that I am uh, getting this source from, tends not to be graphic. They try to keep it not graphic, but they also try to address address real issues and not keep people in the dark. So it has been truly uh, revelatory for me to read some of this, the work that they've been putting out for the past, I don't know, four or five years. Um, absolutely shocking, for sure. Again, it will not be graphic. Um, if it, if they do include things that are graphic, I will try to leave it out. But we need to be aware of the things that are going on in our country. And frankly, we need to be aware of what's happening in the porn industry because many of the young men and women that I know who uh, don't really think porn is a big deal are not really aware of the things that are going on in the industry. So I would like to read this article for you guys. Again, it's a five-minute read. It's not that long. It was written by Madison Queen for Exodus Cry. And the title is Why is Fictional Depiction of Child Porn Legal in the U.S.? The fact that barely legal and teen porn, or rather the fictional depiction of sexual abuse and child and rape of a child, is legal in the United States is an extremely def- depressing, distressing fact, and one that many people may not know. I didn't know until a couple, gosh, I think until like two, two or three weeks ago, um, I did not know this. In fact, the U.S. is only one of 15 countries which allows child-themed or teen-themed pornography. 
quote-unquote barely legal porn is an extremely popular genre within the teen category of porn and thrives on the fantasy of sex with girls who are dressed up to look like as young as possible, which is absolutely sick if you ask me. Uh, even more sick than a lot of the other stuff that goes on in pornography. But let's continue. This genre is so popular that the teen category on Pornhub got 33.5 billion visits in 2018 and has consistently topped the charts for most searched term on this site for six plus years, guys. And that is according, their source for that is Pornhub's most popular search term. So Pornhub is admitting themselves that the barely legal genre of porn is on their top six searched guys that's absolutely unreal 33.5 billion visits in the year 2018 alone that's sobering guys that's sobering um and yet i hear many people say well there's nothing wrong with Pornhub. there's nothing wrong with the porn industry um so there's people and, and while i'm not accusing them of pedophilia or anything like that i'm saying they're simply not aware of the things that are going on in the industry uh Pornhub is blatantly saying that barely legal porn is <laughs> one of their top six most searched. So I'm just saying, um, if you think that the if you think that taking um, adults, legal adults, and dressing them up as children and making them look like children is okay, then you are you have problems. Okay. Hi guys, I want to take a quick break and tell you about an opportunity that you guys have as listeners to become subscribers of this podcast. Now in order to become a sub, all you have to do is follow the subscribe link in the show notes found in the description of each episode. And when you subscribe, you'll get access to exclusive material including additional interviews, all of my spoken word poetry pieces, all of my dramatized allegorical short stories, and even more of my article readings, okay? So lots of content will be available to you that won't be available to anyone else. Subscribing to the show only costs $5 a month, which is less than most people spend on their lunch at work every day, okay? So you won't even notice it disappearing from your bank account. If you enjoy listening to the show and you're looking for an opportunity to financially support the content you care about, this is your chance, okay? Follow the link in the show notes to become a sub. Thank you so much for choosing this show to listen to and now without further ado let's get back to the episode several document documentaries that are very top-notch as well i would highly recommend for you guys we've been on this uh for the past two or three episodes we've been really delving into what the harms of pornography and what it can cause and how it can affect us as young believers pursuing the goal of marriage and family but also how it affects the world uh, guys, there are consequences to our actions that affect other people. You might think, well, it's not, I'm just, I've been looking at porn and it's not really hurting me. It's not really hurting any, anybody. But that's simply not the case. You are complicit in, um, supporting an industry that harms people on a massive scale, an unbelievably massive scale. And I know that it is an incredibly addictive substance. And I'm not saying that you are a terrible person because pornography is something that, again, it's, it's so addictive that it, 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 pumps your brain full of such a high level of dopamine that it's absolutely a foe to be reckoned with. It's a foe to be reckoned with um, because it's doing all these harmful things and yet it gives this intense instant gratification reward to your brain that makes it very hard to fight. It's very easy to become addicted, guys. So let's continue here, though. Unlike child sexual abuse material, CSAM, more commonly known as child porn, which is criminalized and rejected in our culture, teen porn is massively popular, and yet it's simulating the exact same thing, which is uh, unbelievable behavior on screen uh, with underage people. 
In barely legal porn, it's common to see girls dressed in ch- up as children and being spoken to as little kids. Girls are often filmed holding teddy bears, lollipops, bright-colored lunchboxes, and speaking in high-pitched voices that, with their hair in bows, braids, or pigtails. The videos are often tagged with words like petite, schoolgirls, cheerleaders, young teens, babysitters, and tiny, innocent virgins. This is just so sad to me, guys. And that is what they're tagged with. This is what people search for. Um, and yet no red flag goes off in our head when we're searching for this stuff. How have we gotten to the point where we are searching for this stuff and we're not having a mental check um, as to not only what we're supporting, but what we're viewing, right? We're putting this in our head. We're we're getting gratification out of this, but we're also uh, supporting an industry that does this to people. It's, it's, it's simply not right. In these porn scenes, there's usually a man with some sort of power and authority over a girl and who begins to have his way with her, whether it be a doctor, a father, or a close family friend. Again, all painting horribly distorted pictures of masculinity. Uh, no wonder we are so distrusting of men in this generation. I would say that is n- in no small part due to the fact that the um, characters and the illustrations and scenes painted in pornography paint such a horrible picture of masculinity and men in general. But continuing with Continuing with the article, we know that porn is a powerful storyteller and that this can create serious effects on the actions and belief of addicts. A, a 2011 Swedish study found that 70% of high school boys were frequent viewers of porn, shocker, including that which features violence and sexual abuse of children and animals reported that porn made them want to try out what they had seen. So they're basically saying that 70% of the high schoolers in this Swedish study basically said that the unbelievable things they were witnessing um, on the screen was making them want to try it out in real life. And that should make us even more gleary guys. That should make us even more, uh, um, angry and determined to disrupt what is happening on the internet. Because if it's actually leaving the realm of the internet and entering the world of reality, we've got a whole other problems, guys, whole other problems. The fact, the fact, I still don't understand the fact that rape is a commonly searched genre of porn. And yet we have all these social justice warriors going around slamming rapists. But we were, what we're not doing is we're attacking the, the the diet that these men are consuming constantly. And it's basically just considered normal to be searching all this stuff. It, it flat out says rape videos. And these are what people are searching for. Like, I don't care if it's real rape or not. I don't care if it's two consensual adults portrayed on a screen or not. If you're searching for the portrayal, the depiction of rape... You have mental issues that need to be dealt with. Goodness. Goodness, guys. Goodness. Continuing with the article here. Another longitudinal study from the same year found that 10 to 15 year old year olds consuming violent pornography are five times more likely to be sexually aggressive than non than non-viewers of violent porn. Uh, we also know that porn is a powerful grooming tool. In fact, porn is so effective at normalizing abuse that abusers often use pornography to groom victims. Wow. So they're basically that and what a shocker. Here we have guys searching for rape, uh, barely legal, all this child stuff. And it's, it's, it's the, the study found that it, that is what normalizes this, right? So no, it's no wonder that people are using it as a grooming tool, um, to make porn effective at normalizing abuse. Just show it to them over and over and soon they think that's normal, right? They think that's normal sexuality when it's really not. It's so sad. Hi guys, this is just a quick reminder that you can use the link in the show notes to send me a voice message with a comment or a question. Why is simulated child porn legal in the United States? The next subheading is Making Barely Legal Porn Legal, Ashcroft versus Free Speech Coalition 2002. 
In 2002, the Free Speech Coalition, a California nonprofit trade association of the porn industry, along with the American Civil Liberties Union, ACLU, brought a court case against the government known as Ashcroft versus Free Speech Coalition 2002, also called Ashcroft versus American Civil Liberties Union 2002. Among other partners on the lawsuit were Bold Type Incorporated, a publisher of a book advocating the nudist lifestyle. <laughs> Good night. Jim, Jim Gingrich, who paints nudes, and Ron Raffaelli, a photographer, who, photographer who specialized in erotic images. Related, then they give a related article here in case you want to do more research. In the case, in the case, two provisions for the, of the Child Pornography Prevention Act of 1996 were cha- challenged as overboard and vague by the Adult Entertainment Trade Association and other parties. CPPA bans so-called virtual child porn and images of adults who may look like children but not involve real children. So basically what they said is it's an infringement, it's overboard and it's vague to make illegal depictions of people that could be children or not so what they did is they blurred the line of adulthood and they said well this person on screen could be a child but they also could not be so um they we think that that's vague and overboard to ban all of that which is absolutely unbelievable it should have been stopped in its tracks right there and it's very sad to me that it was not but let's continue here specifically the two provisions of the act in question were banned images of adults who look like children engaging in sexually explicit content and computer generated or virtual child porn these two provisions within cppa were established by two prior cases the ninth circuit found the provisions overboard so they won this case guys and therefore unconstitutional the U.S. Supreme Court upheld the Ninth Circuit Court's decision holding that some, holding that the relevant p- provisions were uncon- unconstitutional as overboard because they banned some speech that is protected by the First Amendment. So they went the First Amendment route, the sp- free speech route in attacking these child porn laws, which is absolutely, gosh, I, I really do have faith in our legal system, guys. I think it works a lot of the time, but this is a truly sad day. Uh, this this day in 2002 was a truly sad day for us. By striking down these two provisions in the Child Pre- Pornography Prevention Protection Act from Miller versus California and New York versus Ferber, the Supreme Court rejected an invitation to increase the amount of free speech that would be categorically outside the protection of the First Amendment. The case also established that simulated child pornography is protected free speech. Wow. So that's how it happened, guys. In 2002, we, re- we re- ruled... Our court ruled that, quote, the case also established that simulated child pornography is protected free speech. So as long as it's not an actual child, if you just simulate it, simulate a child being abused, it's free speech. You can you can create that content. Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, And all that happens in a world where children have access to the Internet is what really bothers me, uh, you know, among other things about this, is the fact that this is made legal in a world where there is nothing, no reliable method of keeping children from consuming this stuff. Talk about a life-altering moment of abuse when a child finds this on the Internet. And, you know, hope against hope doesn't begin consuming it because if they do, they're going to grow up thinking that it's normal and that will lead to all kinds of unbelievable things. The next section is the legal status of fictional pornography. In response to the Ashcroft versus Free Speech Coalition, Congress passed the prosecutional remedies and other tools to end the exploitation of children today, Protect Act of 2003, also dubbed the Amber Alert Law, which was signed into April on, 
which was signed into law on April 30th, 2003 by President George W. Bush. The PROTECT Act adjusted its language to meet the parameters of the Miller, Ferber, and Ashcroft decisions. This separated cases of virtual pornography depicting minors into two different categories of law, child pornography law and obscenity law. In regards to child pornography law, the act modified the previous wording appears to be a minor and it changed it to indistinguishable from that of a minor. This definition does not apply to depictions that are drawings, cartoons, sculptures, or paintings depicting minors or adults. However, virtual and drawn pornographic depictions of minors may still be found illegal under U.S. federal obscenity law. The obscenity law further states that in Section C, it is not required, it is not a required element of any offense under this section that the minor depicted actually exist. Their next subheading is teen porn, and that is what they're going to close with. They're, it, actually, it's end teen porn, so they're not only drawing attention to it, but also advocating for victims here. The larger problem with the barely legal and teen porn is that it is grooming consumers to see children as appropriate sexual partners. 100% agree with that. How could you think it doesn't? When you are portraying sexual imagery of people who are either child children or under um, adults actually pretending to be children, you are you know perpetuating a message. And that message is it is okay to engage in these acts with underage people. That's absolutely unbelievable to me. And again, I would say the result here is that you might just immediately go off on our, our law system, our court system, and say, well, it just absolutely sucks. The Constitution is just a piece of garbage. Uh, the, everything the way, about the way we make our laws in this country doesn't work. But I think, again, the issue that we need to really address in this is how to begin making a generation of fathers who will teach their sons and daughters what is good. And if you have a, a generation of men who are healthy, you're not going to have a generation of men who are become these directors who think it is, you know, not only normal, but good to produce this content, right? The, the reason that I think pornography, one of the reasons that pornography is so prevalent is because there are so many men who have grown up in such dysfunctional homes that they grow up and think it's okay to film videos of um, you know, all these unbelievable things happening on, uh, happening on the internet, right? If, if the, if these boys, I guarantee you, none of them had a present father. I guarantee you, none of them had a good family when they were growing up. And so because of that, they grew up to begin painting a horrible ver worldview for other people, which they then uploaded to the internet to reach millions and millions of people. Um, and again, I see problems with the reach of the internet. I think it's a very problematic, especially because children are in the world today. But I also think that something we can do, you know, the internet's not going away anytime soon. So something else we can do to protect the future generations as well as ourselves is to raise young men who are quality and who are not dysfunctional and um, abused and victims themselves of bad parenting and neglect, essentially. So I think it's really important that we, again, raise raise children who are loved, who are cared for, who know what it is like to be, um, to be looked after, who know what it is like to be protected by a father and a mother, and who um, grow up in just a healthy environment because they will grow up to recreate that healthy environment in their work, you know, because they're always going to be directors of films, guys. They're always going to be content creators and videographers and choreographers, and if, if they're unhealthy, that's when you begin having this stuff. That's when they begin producing this stuff and assuming it's normal when it's really not. Let's continue with the article. In glorifying teen porn, society is putting the illicit sexual satisfaction of adults over the safety of children. We cannot allow millions of consumers to be groomed by cont content that fuels pedophilic appetites and not expect it to flow out of the realm of simulation and into the very real abuse of children.
The porn industry should not be allowed to depict young girls in sexual scenarios for the consumption of the world. They should have to answer for the ways in which their content is influencing and promoting the abuse of real children. Absolutely, 100% agreed with this article. Um, again, it was rather dark, but I think it's something that we need to realize today in the culture, guys. This is something that is going on, and this is something that is not going away because of the, again, the young men that we have um, raised. They have grown up, and this is what they're doing with their time. They're creating content like this. Young men and women, I might add. Some uh, directors of porn are women. I would say that most are, are men, very unhealthy men, but some are women as well. So it's not just the boys. It's also the girls here that we've raised to grow up and live a life of producing content like this. And this content is now being consumed by not only adults, but children. So it's truly sad to me. Again, I would not leave you on a a hopeless note because there's so much work being done through Exodus Cry, Fight the New Drug, these anti-human trafficking organizations, these anti-porn organizations to create restrictions, to protect our young children, to protect ourselves, to protect adults. Guys, people think adults are immune and invincible with stuff like this. Porn is so dangerous because it provides an instantaneous 200% spike in dopamine that you have access to in your pocket and you you carry it around with you all day. You know, a lot of times old people say, well, the children of today have it so easy. They don't have any, they, um, in my day and age, we had to do all this hard stuff and they, they, they're so spoiled rotten today. They don't have any challenges. They don't have any challenges. And, uh, what, what, what really they don't understand is the fact that there are struggles in the world today for kids that they never had. I would infinitely prefer to grow up, uh, you know, 70 years ago than I would to, I would, than I would prefer to grow up in the world today. Uh, infinitely guys, it's truly sad to me. Um, because again, grandpa never had the problem of walking around with a device that connected to the internet and, you know, literally billions and billions of naked bodies. He never had that problem. He didn't have a device that gave him access to that with a touch of a few buttons. Whereas kids today do. And you can lock down iPhones all you want, but there is always a way around it when there's a world of billions of devices that connect to billions of images that are uploaded to a virtual platform that requires no accountability for viewers and no accountability for creators. So I'd again say that, you know, Grandpa, your kids have struggles today that you didn't. And the best thing that you can do is be aware of it and not pretend that you grew up in in a harder time. And the best thing you can do is be there for them and help them through these problems that really you should never have had to deal with, but here we are. So again, I would say there's absolutely hope there's absolutely hope. There's so much work being done by these organizations. There's so much awareness being raised. There are um, accountability, screen accountability platforms. I used one of them called Covenant Eyes. I would highly recommend it. There are books be- being written on accountability. Um, the, there are books being written on uh, the, how human trafficking happens, the signs of it. There's work being done in the government to stop this kind of thing. It's it's happening everywhere. So it's so encouraging to me. And I love to see it from um I love to see the things that we are standing up to fight against. It's very encouraging to me. So thank you guys so much for listening. As always, reach out and let me know what you thought of the episode, what you thought of the article. When you do so, reach out and send me a voice message instead of just messaging me on social media. I love to hear your voice there. It makes me feel more connected to my audience. As always, if you, I, welcome, I welcome social media. Reach out too. Um, you can follow us at Restoring Rapport on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, until next episode, thank you guys so much for listening. We're going to talk to you next time.